Leslie. Congratulations Leslie on the Becker, 100th so episode. Congratulations to all the listeners. Creative. Congratulations Thank you for on 100 episodes. Woman. Here's to 100 more. Well, hello and welcome to the Unstoppably Creative Podcast, where I'm going to show you how to increase your confidence, build momentum, and create wildly successful results. I'm your host, Leslie Becker, and I'm here to help you have an unstoppably creative life. So let's get to it. Well, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Kevin Duda, and today I am your special guest host for the 100th episode of the Unstoppably Creative Podcast. I, I can't tell you how excited I am that my longtime friend, collaborator, uh, shoulder to cry on, uh, cheering, cr- crowd to cheer with, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and, and the amazingly multi-creative and multi-hyphenate Leslie Becker has asked me to host this special episode where I get to interview her and just have a very, very cool and open, raw conversation about being creative, sharing some of our fun projects together, what we've worked on together, how we know each other, uh, how we creatively inspire each other, I hope. I hope she does me. I hope I do her. We'll find out later. (laughs) And take time to celebrate this milestone. So without further ado, uh, please welcome the 100th episode podcaster, Leslie Becker. very cool and also weird like somebody else is hosting this but this is this is going to be fun it's putting me in a different position than usual (laughs) it is absolutely I mean I love that I love you know you know me I love I love the driver's seat yes (laughs) I love the I love the back seat too but usually I drive from the back seat too so you know (laughs) Uh, first first let's get this out of the way how are you how's everything going everything good everything I'm good Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Tennessee is good. I'm, I'm loving it here. And uh, it's been an amazing like three year journey to just change my entire life that I, you know, spent 25 years doing something else. And now I'm doing something entirely new in my life. And it's been uh, it's been really awesome. Feel really blessed. I'm sure we're going to talk about this later. And I hope we do. But I'm just so impressed that you were able to. I mean, pivot is one word we use a lot being creative you know when you when you get an idea and it's something different and you pivot on it you know you go that direction or this direction but you 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 pivoted and moved and rethought and reshuffled and it's amazing to me what you've done in the past three years well thank you and it's really honestly Kevin it's something that it looks like it happened just like on a whim but it really had probably a a three or four year tee up to making that decision. You know what I mean? I just found myself in New York getting less and less joy of me as a performer. Um, I always love theater, obviously, you know, turning into a writer of theater. Uh, but I just sure. found that the performing process was just something that was starting to leave me. And I battled it for a long time because it's been my most of my life. And then it just it just kept getting more and more clear. And I think the clearest sign was Um, You know, some people think it was that I left because of COVID, but the decision had been made before that. I'd already decided I was leaving. Um, I remember that. I remember being in a show right up to that, you know, Friday, March 13th or February 13th, whatever it was of 2020, when we were doing our last rehearsal in the rehearsal room before we were going to the theater. And that was the day New York shut down. And I remember in that process going all of the signs are telling me it is time for me to go. And that was before we even knew what, you know, obviously what COVID was going to be, but 
the decision sure, sure. had already been made. And it was that moment where you go, oh, wow, this is my journey is about to change dramatically. So I feel really, really blessed. The other amazing thing is that this is the 100th episode of your podcast. How, like, that, why, why did you, st- like, t- tell me all about it. I want to know everything. Yes. Well, it's so funny because you know that I used to have a brand called The Organized Actor. The book is still out there. The book still sells, but the brand itself um, kind of, that is something that I sunsetted in my in my own transition out of being an actor, but also COVID had uh, something to do with that as well, where they're just suddenly that market was not there. But all along that journey, people would always say, why don't you have a podcast? Why don't you have a podcast? And I knew that eventually I would do it, but I didn't want to do it necessarily for that market because I was already creating things that were bringing in money and they were, you know, courses and things like that. And I didn't want to invest a bunch of time in a podcast where a podcast takes time before that is a money-making thing. Yeah. And so when I came out here and suddenly working for somebody else, writing for somebody else and someone else's voice, I really found that for me, I didn't want to lose my own voice. You know, I've been doing, Mm -hmm. I've been coaching for 30 plus years of my life and I didn't want to lose that. And so a podcast just felt like the absolute perfect thing for me to do to keep my voice and continue building this new brand of Unstoppably Creative. And it, that that brand kind of came out of most of my clients that I was working with one-on-one were no longer actors. They were creatives of all types. Of They were writers, sure. they were you know, entrepreneur, create, uh, people starting small businesses. And so it just became more clear that I really was serving a, a wider uh, a wider net of creatives. I love it. Well, I love that you're getting letting me, of all people, interview you because, as you know... <laughs> That could be very dangerous. <laughs> it could be very dangerous. And that's part of why I asked you. You were the first person I thought of. I was like, if anybody could do this and probably make me blush or laugh or something, it's going to be kept <laughs> Oh, I can be let out in public occasionally. Yes, fairly PG. <laughs> Correct, exactly. Strictly PG. Yeah. Um, so what have you, what, what has the podcast taught you about yourself? Yeah, gosh. What has it done for me in terms of growth? Well, it, if you are thinking of, you know, somebody out there listening is thinking of starting a podcast, it is a huge commitment. And I, mm. the other reason when I talked about why I didn't do it before is I really knew I wasn't committed to it because I knew if I did this, I was going to commit to it for the long haul, a weekly mm. episode every single week and not miss a single week. So if anybody is- That's like a diet. That's like, that's like someone who's going on a diet. You know what I mean? Like that kind of life totally. commitment. Yeah, it yeah. And it's it's big. It's a big deal because part of a podcast is showing up and getting consistency for your listeners. They get used to you publishing on a certain time, on a certain day of the week. And I just really wanted to be very, very intentional about that. Honestly, the only time that I missed was, you know, in this last month, I've been dealing with my dad becoming very ill. Didn't have my equipment. I was out with him. So I would say the biggest thing it's taught me, I think I am a pretty committed person anyway, but this has really you know, no matter what, like if there's a week that goes by and I've been busy and it's 10 p.m. on Monday night and I haven't recorded for the Tuesday morning at 4 a.m., um, if I don't do that, I'm up doing that because I do not want to miss. And I feel like my listeners are are now the people that have been with me for a while. They know it's coming and I, I don't ever want to let them down. Who is on your dream board of sky's the limit? You could have anybody you want living. <laughs> you know, I, this isn't the question of this is this is beyond the question of uh, who would you want to invite to dinner, dead or alive. Like, I think this is beyond that. This is sort of like if you were able to just reach out and say, "Ding, ding, ding!" I get to have you on the podcast on Sunday. Yes. Who in your in your wildest dreams, for any reason, you don't have to tell us the reason. 
but who would you want to have on? Oh, Bradley Cooper, because he's just so hey. fat. Look at <laughs> I was oh. hoping it was going to be just a just a good looking, you know, good yes. a good looking Hollywood hunk. <laughs> yes. No, I probably actually, honestly, I think I might pick Matthew McConaughey. And I don't know if you've read his um, biography, Green Lights. It's something I actually featured on the podcast one time because it is probably the single most amazing autobiographical book I have ever read. I listen to audio so that I've ever listened to. And because it's an audio, he does all of the dialects of all the people he meets in his life and tells his story. Like he really is the storyteller, but it's also yeah. very, these life moments that he's had. And it's, if you have not read it, Kevin Duda, or listen to it, I, I highly recommend listening to it. If you haven't, okay. it's so inspiring to, to hear his journey, not only as an actor, but in his life and mm. what he has done in his life um, that I had no idea. It is riveting. I mean, I literally could not stop listening to it. And I would love to be able to just talk to him and ask about his life and and be in the presence of him and get his wisdom um, because the book is really about the green lights that came in his life that showed him that he was going in the right direction is essentially the premise. Mm. Um, and it's beautiful. So yeah, I think him. If we're talking, that's so about, cool. If we're talking about the people who are alive on the planet, if we're talking about ones that are no longer here, I've always said um, when people say, "Hey, who would you want to have at dinner?" and I always used to say Gene Kelly, Walt Disney, and my mom, um, because of those oh are yeah, the three people that probably inspired me the most uh, mm -hmm. to be creative to just pursue what juices you up so it'd be pretty cool if those three people could be in the room at dinner i think that would be amazing what would you yes. serve no don't answer that <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, if, if there's one role i associate you with it's kathy from singing to the rain so that makes yes. a lot of sense were you and did you watch that speaking of gene kelly did you watch that like it was going out of style i mean oh, yeah. you you actually taught me the original choreography i learned the original oh, choreography right. you. you did that in my cabinet. yeah for good morning i did yes. yeah so my mom was the one who was a fan of movie musicals she was never a performer. She, in fact, herself was not really musical or coordinated to dance. And she always wanted to do all that. And so she just exposed us to those old movie musicals when we were young. And what I loved about Gene Kelly is the sheer joy that came out of him at every second. And, and when I mm -hmm. decided to be a performer, for me, it was about that. It was about, this is supposed to be joyful and fun. And that's what he really instilled. And just his mastery at it too. He was never yeah. someone to just like get by and go, oh, here's a little tap step. I mean, he was a true technician. And I always kind of watched that, that I wanted to be that true technician too. Not only just as a, as a performer and as a dancer, but just in life to like, if you're going to do something, do it well and do it to the best of yeah. your ability, because otherwise, why are we doing it? It's not about perfectionism. It's just about knowing that you put your full effort and intention into something and did it to the mm -hmm. best that you could do it at that moment. And, and I definitely think I learned that just from watching him, reading about him. I actually have a signed note from him. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, come I, on. Yeah. I, I can't, I'll have to look at the date another time, but um, I wrote him probably either right out of high school or right, maybe right at the beginning of college and just said how much he'd inspired me. And I got an actual letter on his um, stationery on my wall in my creative space here in Tennessee. So oh, means a lot. that is so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. So going back to the podcast, I would love to know why why the term unstoppable? I love the term unstoppably create. Unstoppably create. I can't say it. Say it five times fast. 
unstoppably creative. Um, why that term? Where does that come from? And what does it mean to you? And how is it sort of parlayed into, you know, other, you know, your, your life? Yes. Great question. And um, the word unstoppably, I kind of made up. That's not really in the dictionary. Um, but it, <laughs> it, it really, to me, represents that when someone is unstoppably creative, that no person, event, or failure can keep you from pursuing your creativity. Um, you know, oh, say that again. Yeah. Say so that, that again. That no person, event, or failure can keep you from furthering and using your creativity. I just feel like no matter what's happening in the world, no matter uh, what's happening in your week or your life at the time, you have been given creative gifts and you just are able to use it no matter what. And there might be seasons that you go through that you feel like you're maybe not as creative, but those gifts mm -hmm. were granted to you. You know, I believe that you are granted those by God. I will say that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, don't let anybody crush that. A lot of when I think of how I define it, people think that it started in COVID and it actually was already before that, but it's something that really, sure. I think, helped people during that time because that was an event and um, all creativity felt like it stopped. But I just was a proponent of saying, nope, no, nothing anybody has said, a failure you've had, no person, no event can keep you from using your creativity, no matter what's going on. Isn't it amazing how much we get in our own way? It is amazing how many, how many walls we put up. Um, so I love that term that no matter what is in your way, sometimes it's other people, sometimes it's larger world issues and sometimes yeah. it's you yourself that are in your totally. own way just by saying I can't do that I don't I'm not good I'm not good at that or I can't do that it's amazing how quickly that stops the the flow of creativity when I was in I'm just going to tell you a quick anecdote and it's going to lead to another story which is where you come in but I was when I was younger in like high school I was doing a production of <laughs> the king and I go figure you know that would never have <laughs> been cast for that except exactly right <laughs> So much of my life has led me to the King and I, uh, but it was community theater. It was, you know, a small community theater. And we had one girl from who had made it from our hometown. She was on Broadway and she had done two Broadway shows and her mother was directing it. So she came back and I didn't know she was, I didn't know she was there. And she wrote me this beautiful note afterwards that said, I love to watch you work. Oh, and it was the first time that I had, I had, I had, I had, put together that what I was doing was work. It was, you know, in community theater, and it feels so like sports or, you know, you're sort of doing it, it feels, feels frivolous, but that work went into it and that that showed and the fact that she named it that. And I want to I wanna compare that with the first day I walked into the Cinderella rehearsals and we were sitting around in a table and I, we did, you and I did not know each other yet, although I knew your, your name. I remember, I remember during on a break, kneeling down next to you. I remember I can have it. I have it in my head. I kneeled down next to you and I was like, Leslie, my name is Kevin. You know, I'm a friend of this person and this person. We, we, you know, we, and you were like, oh my gosh. And we sort of started talking. And then you looked at me dead in the face and you said, we should work together on something. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being so like this, this person I had, had, uh, you know, had looked up to, you know, had, had known and no, known had done, you had done these amazing things in New York. You had done these, these, these writers playgrounds and all these, you know, you were a writer and a composer for you to look at me and say, let's work on something together. It just, it lifted me up for, you know, 10 levels, um, just allowing me to think that you and I could work together on something. And here we are 85 years later. <laughs> Seriously, 85 years. I literally was going to jump in to say, do you realize that is 23 years ago? No. No, like, no. That was that? also when I was in high school doing King and I it was 23 years ago. So I don't know how Cinderella could be 20. <laughs> lies, lies. <laughs> Total lies. 
flies. Um, Lies no, and moisturizer. <laughs> lots of moisturizer. <laughs> no, and one of the things that I love about our relationship and why I thought you were the perfect person to do this is because, you know, I'm clearly much older than you. Um, but <laughs> lies, 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 lies. But as we as we mature and we've grown together, that age thing does not come into play. And I love that. Yep. I feel like we've swapped roles. Like if we think about, um, you know, this project and I've, I've talked about fetching water on this podcast and people have heard, about, have. It heard, about, yes, heard about it. So, um, for all of you listening, you've heard me talk about my show fetching water that I wrote with my partner, Michael Hunsaker, Kevin Duda is one of my two producing team. And so it's, it's amazing because Kevin and I were actors together 23 years ago in Cinderella when we had the first like first version of Fetching Water that we were writing. And that was a project mm -hmm. that we were writing all those years ago. And Kevin saw that. And I remember very early on because Kevin and I just instantly connected because we always had we were very, we could tell we were both multi creatives that we had more we had lives ahead of us that were not just about being actors, but being producers and writers and directors, all those things. Um, right. But I remember when you were first hearing it, you're like, I love this. Maybe someday I'll produce it. And I don't know if you even remember saying that back. I do. I think I do. Or something. And um, you know, how amazing all these years later that Kevin passed where I had gone to a place where he could be my producer for my show like that brings me more joy than you could ever imagine. And I'm going to brag on you for a little bit because um, Kevin, no. uh, Kevin is one of the producers <laughs> of the current show. Say it. Shucked. Shucked on Broadway. <laughs> the, the cor what is it? The corn musical? The 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 corniest musical on Broadway. The I don't know. We have, we have eighteen million punny 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 taglines we could use. <laughs> yes. And so just um, you know, just to have watched your journey, Kevin, has been always inspiring to me of what you've jumped into. And you, you know, you did tons of Broadway shows as an actor. And then you had a line too, where you just suddenly realized, I really want to be a producer. And you just jumped in mm -hmm. and did that 150%. And now you have your first Broadway show that you have produced. I mean, that's just, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. So that's also why I oh. chose you is that you are an unstoppably creative conversation just to talk to you. So Hey, um, I feel like I this love is it. a conversation on both directions. Well, it's funny when you, when, you know, I, we, I think we probably have talked, you and I probably have talked more about it than anybody else. Where is that line of like, when do you know when to move on or when do you, you know, and you, you sort of like, is it, is it a, is it a call I have to make myself or will I have this, will I have this, you know, otherworldly, godly inspired, whatever it is for yeah. you, is, is it that moment, lightning bolt, is it that moment where you think, oh, I'm good with this. And that's what happened with me with acting. It was the strangest thing. I thought to myself, please, for all that is good and holy, <laughs> please tell me when it's time to move on. So I'm not, you know, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, wasting time. And I wanted, I wanted to do producing so bad and I'll never forget it. It was when I was in beautiful and I, it wasn't, it wasn't a specific performance. It wasn't a specific moment. It wasn't a specific thing. And one day I just thought, Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, and I, that, that applause was like, good to go. Okay, great. And I, I, for whatever reason, I was fully sated with the acting and I was ready to move on. And it was a nice, it was a nice moment. You know, it was a nice yeah. moment. I, I'll never forget that moment. No, that's beautiful. And it is a moment that 
that's kind of how I felt with the last show that I was doing. It was just like that moment where you go, oh, great, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm not even bummed that I never get to actually perform this role in front of an audience. It just, yeah. was, it was just a natural thing. So, and that's when, you know, that's when you know it's right. When, you know, if that's right. people that are listening are, are thinking they want to pivot into something, it's not something you just go, oh, I think I'm going to go do this now. It's, it's, a, right. it's a movement, especially if you've done something for many years in your life and you are making a true choice and intentional pivot. Um, mm. There's a lot that goes into that. The, you know, it's not just like, oh, today I'm going to go do this. It's, um, there is thought behind it. So, yeah. You know, I think a lot about, I, this, is, this might be a little esoteric, but I think a lot about like the, the energy that we take up as people in space and time on, you know, and, 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 and when, you're, when you're walking, the ability for us to walk around each other. I mean, of course, in New York, people bump into you all the time and those people have real you know, sense. <laughs> You know, no sense at all. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who don't bump into you. And we're, our ability to sort of maneuver around each other, right? Like this sort of, this path that, we, that we're all on, whether we know it or not, we're constantly making blink decisions, right? And yeah. that's what it feels like. It feels like all of a sudden that moment came to me out of nowhere. I wasn't even planning for it. I was just continuing to maneuver as I always did. Anyways, let's talk about, I would love to talk about, how much have you talked about fetching water on this podcast? Because I love, only, I love talking about fetching the, water. I mean, I've definitely shared that I have this project. I've shared some, uh, honestly, I've shared um, those times of like, I think I did uh, an episode off to look up the number of like the waiting period of like that trust and waiting and oh. like holding on to this thing that you're like, is this going to go anywhere? Are we really doing what we should be doing? All of that. So I definitely had an episode on that, but people know, you know, I, I bring it up a lot because- um, it started with an episode on uh, how to bring a back burner project to the front burner. And it was all about fetching. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, I certainly will say that you, when I approached you and Michael about it and said, hey, let's I don't I know I know it's been a rough journey. I know there was some highs and lows and highs in the beginning and a lot of lows since then as far as like just like not not even just you know, bad things, but just like, uh, like speaking of the waiting and, and maybe having an opportunity to come up and pulling it up, you both were, were, I could see the split excitement and caution in both of your eyes, right? Oh. About, about jumping back into this pool that you had, that, that you had doggy paddled in for a while and, in, in, you know, and getting, getting the show up. And I'm just so thrilled that, that you both wanted to jump in again because <laughs> it's so good and i just love all the people we've added to the fetching water family totally. you know directors and music directors and it just it's just so inspiring to watch other people feel as excited as i did when i realized that we could start this up again yes know? yeah it was um very much a oh we're excited and we're terrified and that's right. what i shared on that episode because when you bring something back from the past because we literally put it on a shelf for 15 years. I mean, it wasn't like we were working on it for 20 years. <laughs> right, that right. Would be, that'd be crazy. But um, yeah. to bring something out of the past that had painful things about it, um, some really mm -hmm. great highs, but also painful things is hard. And yet the timing was perfect. Um, I don't remember. I think you just like out of the blue called me and said, hey, I really am producing. And I remember your show. I think I did. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Again, a call from Kevin. We're always calling each other and asking us each other to do. Hey, <laughs> yeah. or, hey can we do this or do you want to do this? Um, yeah. But yeah, it was. It was. We had to be cautious and we also had to be excited. And I'm so mm -hmm. glad that we got to the place of excitement to go forward mm -hmm. because when I think of, 
even though the stall during COVID, when I think of the growth that the show has made and where we are from where it was before is enormous. And so um, yeah. that's- Yeah, really agreed. Cool. I don't think we could have done it, um, especially for those of you out there who are writers and you have projects that you start to write and then they don't go somewhere, but you put it on a shelf and you decide to bring it back. When you are older and wiser and time has passed, you have life experience that will inform that project more than you will ever imagine. Um, you know, you think, oh, we'll go right back to it and, you know, we'll we'll do the same thing. But you don't because you mm. know, you're different. You see it through a different lens. And I think fetching water that has um, definitely changed. My life is dramatically different than when I wrote that. Sure. When Michael and I wrote that together. At the time we were writing that in our, our first push those years, you know, we were doing readings there and I was in a Broadway show. He was starring in an off-Broadway show. We were like, like you know, kind of the it kids in New York at that time. Um, and uh, and then when it didn't happen at that time, you know what I mean? It just, um, I think timing is is everything. And I think this is the right time for it, so. I love it. And I also love how timely, how timeless the piece is, right? Yes. Like you, you, you and Michael didn't write anything it is specific to 2001. You know what I mean? Nothing in it that it's amazing and, and sort of thankful that people change and don't change all at the same times. Right. We're sort of like repeat, repeating pattern. We, we repeat sort of patterns in life that are there, or I should say a better way to put it is there's themes in life that are just always ever present. Yes. Right. Growing up, lo losing innocence, um, growing, uh, growing, growing apart. You know, all those, all those things are. No matter what generation you're born into, those are all very familiar themes. What I was drawn to was these four characters and the four characters that you and Michael have created. They're just so different, and and I, they're they're different, and they're the same. Meaning the humanitarian, the, the the humanity of them is the same, right? And in so many. And I think what's interesting about that is that the first time I've ever watched a show, and I've watched the show a few times now. <laughs> just a um, few. <laughs> just a few. And I know this is something that has been shared with other team members and other team members like our director, Shelley Butler, feels this way. I know you feel this way and Michael feels this way. Chris Allen certainly feels this way. Every time I watch the show, I align with a different character. Yes. Like, it's it's sort of amazing that one day I'll watch it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am totally Jack. I want to get out there. I want to find something new. I want to blah, blah, you know? And then other days I'm like, I, I, I'd want to go through all four characters, but you know what I mean? Like other days yes. I'm, I'm Jill where I'm like, I'm fine sitting home and having the same thing for breakfast every morning, as long as nobody <laughs> knocks on my door, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's amazing how you've nailed these sort of four universal characters, but at the same time, they're so specific. I, I just think it's a feat. It is a feat, and it's um, it's hard writing a four-person musical. It's hard writing a musical anyway. Anyway, right? Right. I mean, it's just hard. You're you're mm -hmm. aligning story, you're aligning arc with music, uh, with you know undertones of um, meaning the sound of the music changes the tone and feel of that moment. Um, there's so many layers, and that's what I love about it, and also is the hardest about it. Um, yeah. But especially when you're writing a four-person musical, and this is not a musical that one person is the lead and the other three are kind of backing them up. Every right. one of these characters is the star of this show. And I think one of my favorite compliments that we've heard from people is that it feels like the show is bigger than four people. That there mm -hmm. are so many really deep themes. It's like presented in a very kitschy way, in a light way, with a lot of comedy and fun things. But we're really talking about issues that we all deal with as human beings. And so that's why I think that people can relate 
to these characters and that one day you might relate to one and another day you might um, relate to another. And I love when people have seen our readings and we ask them, you know, who did you most relate to? The people immediately go, oh, I am so Jill. That is totally me. Or somebody says, no, I'm definitely Dick or I'm Jack or I'm Jane. Um, yeah. it's, um, it's really fun to hear that. It's really cool to hear. We that. also, uh, from the, for the, uh, on the flip side of that, the different question we asked people in one of the readings earlier Earlier, meaning earlier in our in the second half of of our of the life of the show, yeah. um, was who was the lead? Whose story was? Oh no, whose story was it? Whose yeah. story was it? And it and and sit, forearms shot up, and and every single person had a different character in mind. Yes, and, and I thought that was amazing, and it 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 shows that the show is so balanced in a precariously beautiful way that it that depending on what gets tipped every night and who's watching it they could align with a different person it's very interesting very it's very interesting, interesting. and i also love people get to see it <laughs> they, listen talk about talk about pounding the pavement i don't Woo. think i've worked hard anything than getting fetching water up and you know we you and i just talked on the phone yesterday about um, we could just you know um you know we could just throw it all in and just like go and open off broadway you know open off Broadway for three weeks and or four weeks. And, and if, if tickets pick up great, and if, if not, we did it. And, yes. you know, we, we put into licensing or something else, but there's something so, so annoyingly special about fetching water <laughs> where you want to get it right. Not annoying. You know what I mean? Just no, like, I do. I do. Annoying is a good word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you, it's so special that you think, okay. And, and, and I want you to, I, I'd love to hear you talk about this as well. You know, Stephen Sondheim used to say that musical are, are never are never finished. They're just abandoned or something like that, right? Yes. Right. There's yes. that saying. And what does it feel like for you? For I again, another two parter. What does it feel like for you to be responsible? Oh gosh, to be responsible <laughs> for these these four characters. I mean, you as the book writer and lyricist. Mm -hmm. Sure, Michael. Michael is definitely a, a, you and Michael are collaborators of the best sort, right? For you sure. have inter you intertwine in each other's worlds more yeah. than any other team I've seen in the most beautiful way. But you as the book writer and the lyrics together, you're responsible for these four characters. And then, what does it feel like? What will? What do you think it will feel like? when it's done in our world and it's finished and it's and like like sometimes said it's never actually done right yes. but we have to leave it at some point what will it feel like for you having worked on it so long to be able to release it to other people oh my gosh those are two such questions i know um, i know first one that comes to mind and i i love and hate that you use the word responsibility but i do feel that i own that mm. um mm. very heavily not heavily in a dark way but um I own what I call the red string because I have literally every word on the page. And, and even though, yes, we collaborate, Michael and I collaborate on things, but I've, I've owned every word on the page. And so in mm -hmm. my head is every version that has ever been created of fetching water in this iterative process, because for anybody writing a musical, especially it is an iterative thing you don't write something. And then that's, that's how it will be forever. It's all going to change. But I think sure. the thing that I have found fascinating with Fetching Water is there are still some of our core songs and core moments in our show have not changed. And that mm -hmm. has been because they are the red string that hold it together. And, and um, I feel like the book writer is the owner of that red string. And so I often will say that to Michael, hey, if we change that, we're going to pull that red string. Do we want to do that? It's going to take more than just, hey, let's put a different song in there. 
So right. that is that right. is probably the responsibility that I feel as the book writer. How is it going to feel when you release these characters into the world? Scary, terrifying, but releasing them is kind of, it. it is like writing a musical is like birthing a baby. And when, when it is ready to be in front of an audience, a paying audience, and it's having a run, you've released it and you don't have control over of it anymore. And you rely on the actors to bring out things in your script that you never imagined. You know, Michael and I know it so well, we could say it how we would say it, but you put another actor on it and something, a line that we wrote that is then delivered in a different way that gives it this meaning you never intended, but it's even more beautiful than what you attended is probably my favorite uh, reward as a writer is to just see mm. what another actor can bring to it um which is just always a joy so it is it's releasing it's releasing it and when it's done well you're just like wow that's it doesn't even feel like yours anymore you know what i mean it's right very, right 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 it's very cool what is next are there any secret projects that you've been <laughs> secreting for a while you know i've always got a secret or... project i always I know, you do. I know you do um not really secret, and it usually but... goes on a text it usually goes kevin i have this thing dot 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 and then i <laughs> and then it's like the biggest cliffhanger ever can you chat can you chat <laughs> yes i do do that to you but no, after the first of the year, I am finally going to be cutting my five-song country EP. Now, for those of you who don't know what an EP is, it simply means more than one song. So it's not just going to be a single. It's actually going to be at least five songs, maybe more. Um, I have a lot of country songs that I've written since I've been here and ones that I have from the past, and I really would like to uh, now actually go out and do that. So one of my writing partners here... He and I have been writing a lot of songs together, and uh, I was planning on doing a concert this fall, but because of uh, what happened with my dad, um, I did have to postpone that. But we're going to do it um, coming out of the gate uh, starting in January. We're going to start working on that album and then uh, go into a concert. So I'm excited about that. And after that, I'm not going to lie, Kevin. I still want to write a Hallmark movie with you. Hey, yes, I would love that. You know I'd love that. My mom passed seven years ago, as you know, Kevin. And um, yes. my mom would always say, like, from the moment she met you, she would always say to me, you you, you stick with Kevin Duda. He, he, would, he would always <laughs> say that. Like, she just oh. see the magic and the light in your eyes. So, um, Oh, that's feel, so sweet. And I feel blessed that as we've gotten older, that our conversations have gotten deeper uh, we've always been mm. friends and always done projects together, but we're able to talk about things like challenges and family and just those those deeper things that I I just value that a lot. It's really cool. I do too, and I got to tell you, magic right back at you because you you are you are a stir fry of create. Like you just have you have everything in a pot, and you're able to. The amazing thing about you is, sure, there are a lot of people in the world who who do a, a couple different things, right? There's a couple multi-hyphenates we know that are very that are successful at it. But sure. you're able to be successful at it and stay organized and teach others how to do it's it's an amazing like sort of trifold of that of that same magic world, you know, that you're able to to be all those things equally and, you know, let them let them like a heartbeat rise when they do and and other ones rise and it's 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 really it's really great to watch. I Thank love it. You. I appreciate that. All right, now for the crazy part of the podcast. Okay, here we go. The crazy. The crazy. So I'm going to throw at you some... I'm going to hate that I um, asked you to do this. 
<laughs> because you don't know what I'm going to say. I don't. I'm terrified. Uh, I know you said one word, but a couple of these are phrases. So just go with it. I think okay. so. So pick, so pick one of the two, one of the two. Uh, and I may go off script if I think of something else. <laughs> uh, rapid fire. You have to choose. You ready? Yes. <clears throat> a quiet night or a boot scoot and boogie? Boot scoot and boogie. Baked potatoes or chocolate lava cake? Baked potatoes. Skydiving or snowboarding? Neither. Snowboarding. This girl's never okay. skydive. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. I knew that answer. Uh, participant or spectator? Oh, participant. Gilligan's Island or Three's Company? Three's Company. Hey, that's it. <laughs> Those were fun ones. Those, those, are are very... those are so, so random. I was like, those what are the most random things I could throw at Leslie Becker? <laughs> no, those were <laughs> awesome. Kevin, this thank you been... so much for being willing to do this. Just really. Oh my really gosh, are you kidding? I, I think if anyone has learned anything on this podcast, it's that when you say jump, I'm like, I'm, I knock at your front door because <laughs> I know that you, uh, you, you, uh, you just start, you're, uh, you're unstoppable. I love it. It's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My friend, my 100th episode of the Unstoppably Creative Podcast. I want to thank Kevin Duda for being my very special host, but I'd really like to just thank you, my listener, my listeners who are enjoying this podcast and have been with me on this ride from the beginning of January of last year, and I'm going to continue to be here uh, for as long as I can keep this podcast going. I appreciate you all listening in and I hope you've enjoyed this and I can't wait to talk to you next week at our usual time and until then keep living your unstoppably creative life bye bye